Hello and welcome to the first official episode of the Like a Lady podcast. Guys, I'm a little bit freaking out. I'm super excited. I am currently Zooming, is that a word, uh, with one of my best friends, Rachel. And I'm so excited for her to help me basically launch this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited. First, before we just dive in, uh, I want Rachel to have a second to kind of like introduce herself, tell you a little bit about her, and then obviously how we met before we dive into the questions. Oh, yes, of course. Okay, hello. (laughs) I am Rachel. I'm a native Kentuckian, um, born in Georgia, but lived and moved to Kentucky when I was two years old. So I'm born and raised um, Southern, Southern. Mm -hmm. And we met on a contract. Um, how many years ago was this? Three. Almost three. Like 10 years. It feels like that. Right? Doesn't it? Okay, so three years ago, we met on a contract Mm -hmm. in Sugar Creek, Ohio, (laughs) of all places. And we did a show together for four months. We lived, ate, slept, breathed, all the same things for four months. Mm -hmm. And I've been separable ever since. Do you agree that sometimes you meet people and you have to warm up to them and you like learn to love them and they become your friends like that but then some people you meet and then like it's just like instant and you're just like oh like and you feel like you've already known them yes that's how I felt absolutely okay I'm pretty sure we had known each other for like eight hours and we were already like taking like pictures together and we're like oh my god (laughs) like yeah Um, of course so I am quick friends. If I like you, we are quick friends. Exactly. It was yeah. like our other friend that we did that contract with. I, we're all best friends now, but when I, I met her before and it was a slow burn of a friendship and I love her. Shout out Kenna, but it was a Shout slow burn. Kenna. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, it was one of the best summers of my life. I think the three of us together, we have a really good dynamic. Oh, truly. Um, so tell everyone kind of what you do for a living, obviously. Yes. So I'm a performer trying to do it full time as much as possible. I've done many, a theme park contract and (laughs) trying to make my living that way. You just did a production of Into the Woods. I did just do a production of Into the Woods, First Wife, Dream Roll here in Lexington, Kentucky. It was a dream, a dream come true. And so, yeah, just barely got to do that one before the shutdown. <laughs> like we made it right in time. Right. And, um, yeah, so I tried to do that full time when I don't have a contract. I'm here nannying the cutest little four year old girl and she is everything. And I love wow. her. Nanny life is where it's at. If you're uh, yeah, you and me both, just like, we're yeah. on the same well, page. I would say like, if you enjoy kids, um, nanny life is where it's at. If you want to be a performer, get in with a family because then they become your family and it's just, it's a really special experience. I'm not going to lie. Anyways, back to the Like a Lady podcast. So, um, every episode I'll have someone different on, but the questions for the most part will stay the same. I probably will tweak them a little bit in the beginning, but, um, we're going to talk about how, where, Rachel was raised, how that affected, how she saw herself as a woman, how she was told to act as a woman, um, 
So I want to hear a little bit about this because me and Rachel are both both uh, born and raised in the South. Southern grown. Yes, Southern grown. But I am from Alabama and she is from Kentucky. So I'm super interested. I just want to know kind of like how how life was for you growing up. And yeah. I mean, were there time, was there ever even a time as a child that you felt like that? Did your mom kind of groom you towards that or what? Yeah. So I was actually born in Georgia. So all of my dad's side of the family is from Georgia, deep, deep, deep South Georgia. And so very, very religious, very, very conservative, um, all of that, very Methodist, like very, so when we moved to Kentucky when I was two, we kept all those same values because that's what I had known. So we, I like grew up Methodist, grew up very conservative. Um, so yeah, the social constructs of female and being ladylike were very much in play from very, very early on. It's like you sit like, you're, you know, you're taught to sit like a lady and talk like a lady or not talk like a lady. <laughs> like, cause you don't need to be in exactly. a conversations if you have nothing good to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was definitely, it's like all the, they take manners to a whole nother level with girls. But for, for women, it's like, okay, you need to learn how to like, um, plate a, t uh, a table for dinner. You know what yeah. I mean? Set the table. You need to learn how to do that. You need to learn how to like take people's drink orders. You need to learn how to sit like a lady and talk like a lady and dress like a lady. You need to know like what's appropriate in certain like social situations. Like it never got to like. Did I never, you like, take like, manners class? Did you? I did not. But my grandmother was basically an etiquette coach. I love that. I yeah. remember all of the girls in in my class. I think my fifth grade class were in like a manners class. I don't know exactly what it was. There were definitely Here's still, the thing though, if I'd stayed in Georgia, I probably would have I was about to say like it wasn't the crazy debutante that you see like in Georgia, but they were still had I can't remember what they're called, but it's like a version of that and it's definitely yeah. lower key, but it's still a thing. Oh yeah. If we had stayed there around my grandparents, I definitely would have been doing all of that. The white but, and everything. Oh, I'm 100%. Mm -hmm. tea uh, yeah hold the whole mm -hmm. shebang garden parties yeah <laughs> so I'm more I'm interested because your parents are still married happily and love them shout out Terry and Larry, shout out Larry and Terry. <laughs> um so you have a sister and so it's just yeah. you two yeah. and so there are no boys in the house except for your dad except so growing up was he just very like you can be whatever you want to be or was it like um like princess yeah, that's the thing. What was it? Is, is because he is definitely a great girl's dad. But, you know, men always want boys to, like, roughhouse and do all that kind of stuff. So, in, like, in, like, society, it was, it was always, like, yes, be ladylike, have manners, you know, princesses, like, you're a queen, you're a princess, you deserve to be treated that way. Yes. So, like, at home, though, like, I roughed house with my dad all the time okay. and like wrestle and do stuff like that. And if I want to do sports, I could go do sports. Like I didn't necessarily, I want, I wanted to be in dance. So I did do that, but I also did soccer for a couple years growing mm -hmm. up because I wanted to be, you know, you know, running around and doing all that stuff. I did eventually. You watched the Mary Kate Nashley movie about soccer. I mean, who didn't? Because that's the only reason me and Brooke joined the league and we were both really bad at it. And so we only played for one season. Mm, exactly. 
exactly. I was a goalie and was terrified of the ball. And then my mom was like, where you've got to get her out of there because she is going to break her face. I love that. Um, but yeah, so then I did end up going, you know, the singing, acting, dancing route, but that's just because what's what my heart looked, you know, so. <laughs> and what, I know we, I knew we were going to go off on a little bit of a tangent about theater, but obviously that's like our, our careers. That's kind of what we've chosen to do. So we're very passionate about it. Um, I will say that one of the reasons that I started this podcast is because I, I always need to be doing something creative and something that I'm passionate about and outlet. And now we're here in, you know, self-isolation. And I was like, it's time. It's time. Do you ever remember a specific time of like, like a specific story that really like is burned in your brain of someone telling you like, Hey, like that's, that's unladylike or you, that's girls don't do that or anything like that. Yeah. I feel like there were so many times I have always been such an extrovert. (laughs) Always. So growing up, like doing, mm-hmm. like, I remember, I think like elementary school, you know, you'd go and you'd be on the playground and I wasn't like, I wasn't a tomboy, but like I could roughhouse because my dad just kind of grew up, which is another thing going back to what you asked before. It's like, he allowed me to be in whatever state I wanted to be in. That's awesome. As an only child. And then when Emily grew up, she was a little more like she was more of like the sensitive one and you know she was a little more she needed to be tended to more and I didn't so I think that was like a cool dynamic for us anyways going back to the other story um you go and you'd like want to hang out like you know the boys are cute and you want to like hang out with the boys and like um play with them and but then the boys would be like no, you're a girl. You can't, like, you have to go be with the girls. And, Cause everyone was separated at that point. Elementary school was so mm-hmm. like separated. So, oh, for sure. For like the boys over here and the girls over here, this is like the swings. The girls got the swings on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, <laughs> and then the boys got the slide or something like that. So I remember that kind of stuff where I was like, but why, like, why does it have to be like that? Like I can, like, I can hang with the guys. I can talk about what they're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are instances where it was like, um, no, you like, can't do that because you're a girl. I don't have any like specific ones like that, but that's what I remember. Like elementary school kind of being like, no, go over there and boys go over there. And you're like, I I feel you. I definitely have burned. It has been burned in my brain personally because of how much I belch and how loud I belch that I can't tell you how many people have told me how disgusting. (laughs) I mean, yes, it's disgusting anyways, but everyone says it's so unladylike. I'm just like, Shout out Vala, my mother. Shout out Vala. She's going to be like, you have to stop talking about burping. Like, I don't know. But why? I mean, it's gross when anyone does it. Like, it shouldn't be gross because you're doing it. Boys do it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's the, I don't like belching because I don't think it's cute, period, from anybody. But there shouldn't be a stigma to where it's gross for girls and not for boys. I think that's. Yeah. So I yeah, and I get honestly just because I definitely was more extroverted as a child, and I think as I get older, I feel like I'm coming more back into like being extroverted. But I have never been like shy about like talking, uh, um, just about really about anything. I'm just like really not not super like shy. I don't know. I just think there's all there's like such a stigma around 
talking about lady problems. Oh, and yeah. I am just like, I don't understand that at all. Like, I just truly don't get it. And I, I know I've personally made so many people uncomfortable because I'm so comfortable with it. It's just like, it's a part yeah. of our lives. And I don't yeah. understand why it's so taboo to talk about like your period yeah, and like ovulation, trying to get pregnant. Why is that so yeah. weird to talk about? Or do you remember how disgusted boys were if they just heard you talking about their periods in like middle oh my school? Gosh. Do you remember the links that we as girls would go to hide, to hide taking a pad or a tampon into the bathroom to change? That I really hope that it's different for girls now because honestly, oh, I don't even care now. The thing is, I grew up with a really young, like not young mom, not super young, but I mean, we're in like the same kind of generation. And so there was always like, and she's amazing and so open and like, would always be like to me and Emily you can talk to us about anything so we would always have the really hard gross weird conversations and dad would always want to be included in some way or form like shape or form to know what's going on right in our lives so I mean like asking dad to go get tampons would never be a thing asking him about like you know weird things with like asking him boy questions was never a weird thing so like I think that and how you're talking about how like you're being open about talking about everything is how like because my family also grew up like that I also was I mean it took a little bit like there's a little bit of like social anxiety when you come to high school to be like I don't want to weird anybody out but I would go down to talk about anything I think it's important for people to also hear stories about like no we were very open and there you know, I like your dad didn't ever be like, no, you like can't play baseball or softball because you're a girl. No, you can't be an Eagle Scouts, like whatever. Like that, I think hearing that there are so many men out there that are like that too, that we don't always like talk about or hear about, like, but that is so amazing to me because um, that was the exact opposite of what me and Brooke got sat down together, nine and 10, got the talk. I don't even know what it was about. I didn't understand any of it because my mom is in the medical field. So everything was anatomical and I didn't even know half the words she was saying. And so to me, what happens is you start getting your information from your girlfriends and that is unreliable. I don't know why I decided this first uh, podcast episode that we were going to talk about periods, but it just, it happened. But you know what? It's bound to happen. I just actually, like, there are just, I just never understood the stigma around it after I learned all of that I learned. And so I was already kind of there my junior and senior year of high school. So I just almost, I a little bit relished making people uncomfortable about it. Like, oh, I was straight up embarrassed my teachers all the time because I'd be like, I need to go change my tampon, Miss Estes. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care. Oh my God. And that's the funny thing, though, is like, you were talking about how you didn't necessarily want to talk about periods in your first podcast, but this is the one thing that all women can relate to. Yeah. That's the thing is we've all been through a story, our story, our journey through ovulating. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Back to the question. Were there times that you felt like it was hard for you to do something or hard for you to succeed at something because you were a girl? or a woman in your field at all? It feels like, and now musical theater boys do not come for me. It feels like they have it so much easier. I feel you on that. It feels like they have to be less spectacular 
to be put in the lead, maybe mm -hmm. because there aren't as many guys who can sing, dance, and act. Mm -hmm. But if you can, like, mediocrely do all of those things, you'll be put in the lead. But there are so many women in this so field. Many. Yes. And obviously, we know there are uber, uber talented men in musical theater. Can and do all we are theater. not, we are not hating oh, that at all. But obviously, if, if you even know anything about the um, musical theater world or just theater world in general, it is majority women, is majority white women. And so, and I know that we have trouble getting seen. So I had just have no idea how hard it is for like women of color to get seen. Like, no. it's, yeah. and I'm so excited because I have a couple friends that I'm going to talk to and I'm just so excited to like get their perspective on that. Like, yes. I know need those it's so frustrating for us. And so I know that it's probably, there's so many other things that they have that's like layered on top of that. I, against them. No. Yeah. Well, I've talked to one of my guy friends who's in musical theater and he's great. He's super talented, but he knows and can admit that he doesn't try, have to try half as hard as I do. And a lot of the times theater directors are, are almost they're almost annoyed when girls come in there and they're super talented and they, you can tell they want it and they work really hard. They're like, like, Oh, I don't want to work with like someone who's that uptight. And I'm just like, that's insane. But okay. It's, it's this, the weirdest line. Cause guys, we want you to be uber talented. Yeah. But we don't want you to like act like you're talented. Come in hella confident, knowing what they want, knowing they'd be great for this part. Then did we get, we get um, typecasted as like a bitch or someone who would be like really, really hard to work with or as a diva or something. But if you come in being like super like cowardly and shy, they're like, oh, well, she doesn't have the balls for the role. And you're like, what? where is mm -hmm. the in-between? Like, it's- It's this weird thing where you have to, you have to be confident in yourself, but you, they don't want to see you know that you're talented, but you also have to be confident enough to walk into a room of people and like, you know, do your thing. It's very, it's, it's such a weird thing that we do. But. Have you noticed this about yourself? Because I have in the past two years playing. Um, so when you go into like an audition room or a callback room or whatever, and you know that they, you know, that you're being seen by them and you like them and whatever and you want to work for them and they are, like, looking into hiring you. Do you ever feel like you get into this place of, like, not fake humbleness because you, I know us both and how we are in this, in this, and we know that they're people better than us, period. But I get into this, like, kind of little character of- like, I want them to think I'm, like, meek. Right, kind of like. Oh my um, God, Rachel! I thought only I struggled with doing no. that. No, no, I was just noticing this and like really having to come to grips with being like, oh no, stop! Like I don't think that was my best take, and they're like, no, it was great, and be like, no, no, no. I'm like, Rachel, stop! They're saying it was great, like done. Enough. No, I, I literally because I am. Uh, here's my thing. I, I'm just over like. I don't like when women feel like they have to dull their talents because it's undesirable. I don't understand that. And I think that you can be confident and be humble at the same time. And I think you can know your worth. Yeah. And I struggle and I still do to this day because I obviously know I am talented or I wouldn't be trying to, that's like saying, it's just so weird because when people like, they don't like when people, especially in entertainment, like say like, yes, I know I'm talented at what I do. Like, 
I don't want a doctor second guessing themselves. So like, why, why is it any different for me to second guess myself? But it's like, when I walk in a room, it's like, I don't want them to know that I know that I'm good. I want to act like I'm the undiscovered. Oh, I, oh my gosh. I just like, I just sing for myself. And like, I do some, I have caught myself. So I'm like trying to be better at it. I specifically, I specifically did it when I was auditioning for uh, Cinderella. And I was like, which is so weird because I wasn't even being looked at for Cinderella. I was being looked at for one of the stepsisters. Yeah. And I was like, why am I acting like this? It doesn't even make sense. I'm not like. <laughs> and especially it's, it's for new people that I haven't seen before, like new casting directors or new whatever. Like people I know who know me and have worked with me, like there is a part that comes out of me when I'm actually performing. And yes, that's great. But like it, it's around new people. I realize that I'm like, I, I not Oh, I don't want to say, I hate, I almost said, I pride myself on being a humble person. Pride and humble in the same sentence. That does that. not work. But, you know, I try to it's stay as important. humble as I can because I always know it's, yeah, it's of high importance to me because I know there is always someone who is going to be better for the role, better, like, f- clicks better with the casting director or the director or whatever. Like, I know that there are going to be people better for those things. So you have to stay humble in this business or you're going to get crushed. Mm -hmm. um but it's like around new people I just like don't want to like have this sense of false humility just because I'm meeting Mm -hmm. a new person and don't want to be like taken as like a diva or overly confident or arrogant or anything like that that's like a lot I would say that yeah I would say that most girls in the industry at the level that we're at secretly like don't ever want to be looked at as a diva when you talk to guys that never crosses their mind like ever it doesn't I've talked to multiple guys that do musical theater and that is just something that they don't think about also do we want to talk about this uh do you know if you get paid equally for the work that you do so I did yes I we were always very open in any of the theme park contracts that I took. We were always very open with our salaries and what we were getting made, what we were getting paid. And based on the level of seniority, which is not either like female or male, most of us were all getting paid the same, which is really nice. And that's awesome. And speaks volumes to the company that we worked for the agency that we worked for because most of my contracts have been through rws the agency casting agency in new york and they like you know have this whole shebang about you know equal opportunists and all that stuff and um welcome to 2020 yeah and i really believe that really they take that to heart and yeah there was and even like f1s and m1s like we didn't get paid any more because we're not, we're doing the same amount of work. If we have a little more stage time. Tell people what, wait, wait, tell people what F1 and M1s are. So it's the female one and the female and the male one, which are basically the leads of the show. So I was the magician of the whole magic show. So I was F1. And then my male one counterpart was like the guy from the crowd, like the Pippin, you know what I mean? Of like Mm -hmm. the magic show. So, but we all got paid the same. One of the companies I work for, I know we all came in at the same rate, but one another company I worked for later on in the contract towards the end, because we didn't know each other at first, 
but the one of the guys said how much they were making a week and I was just I was floored it wasn't a lot but I was just like I was more floored because I um was doing twice as much singing and twice as I was doing twice as much on stage and that was that was the only reason that was really frustrating and I remember like I didn't say anything but I just remember thinking like I'm doing more work and getting paid less. Now, granted, there are some times when you have to take into account if it was really hard, if, if they had trouble casting that role, they might've had to offer more, but yeah, this was not one of those roles. Right. <laughs> so I was like, that makes me feel like poop. <laughs> that's, that's what really grinds my gears as we say. <laughs> now. Um, it's, it's, it's the work part. If I wasn't working as hard, pay me less. Okay. That makes sense to me. Like mm-hmm. if, no matter male or female, if you're doing less work and being, you know, whatever, and that role or whatever should get paid less. Okay. But the fact that you were working probably twice as hard in a role that was probably like all the stage time and all that, like, and you were getting paid less than someone who was barely on stage, like that yeah. blows my mind just because of your gender. Yeah. <sighs> And I, it's really, it's scary as a woman too, to ask for more money because in our industry, and I feel like you agree with this, it is terrifying to ask for more money because you need it to survive. We're obviously, if you don't know this by now, if you don't know us personally, we do this because we actually love it. And there's actually nothing else that we could do and be happy doing in our lives. So we, we just do it and we want enough money to like live and to pay our bills. I'm not trying to live large. I just, that's not the kind of lifestyle that I'm trying to live at all. So it's like, it's, but it is terrifying to ask for more money because for me as a white girl, I'm just like, Oh, there's probably 50 girls out the door that'll do this for less than this. But it's that goes again to like knowing our self-worth and knowing that like if they really do that, I am worth that. And if that company can't do that for me, I can't find a company that, that understands that. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I literally just turned down a contract because of that kind of reason. I asked and they came back and they were like, yeah, our prices are firm. And I was like, okay, well, thank you so much. I'm going to have to like actually pass on this because it just wasn't livable. Yeah. And, you and know, that's so hard to do as an actor because that's all you want to do. And if money weren't an issue, I, you would have taken that contract. But it's like, it is an issue. For, for three, four months off of something that I can't, like, I wouldn't be able to pay my like, The I'm thing is, if you can't make it work, you can't make it work. And I, I would hope that they don't. I don't think that a company would think that you're being snobby over that. You know, everyone has different living expenses. Right. Um, I want to talk about, I want definitely want to end this on a positive note. Every like a lady podcast is going to end with just a small blurb of someone in our lives that we look up to, or just a positive story that you read, just something that has inspired you that, that you've seen a woman or a girl or do, but before we talk about that, I wanted to talk about one last thing, which is um, me and Rachel are by no means little girls. Um, we have, we, as my, uh, one, as my best friend Sherman Sutton would say, we thick, T-H-I-C-C. Um, 
T-H-I-C-C. Thank you. Exactly. We thick. And so that is also something that is a little bit of a challenge for us in musical theater. But I wanted to talk about how we have been seeing that change and how exciting and positive that is. Shout out Renee Rapp. Renee, come on with those hips, girl. Yes. It's so, it's um, such a thing. I mean, beauty standards for women. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but that's always, yes. That's always been something that has just been the standards for women are unrealistic, period. But (laughs) y'all, there she is. Now you know it's a real podcast. Brittany has belched on microphone. You officially launched. It's such um, a beautiful thing that I think is blooming more inclusivity of size, Mm -hmm. which has been amazing. I also don't want to discount male size inclusivity as well, because that is something that I have talked to some of my guy friends about as well. Um, I know this is like a lady, but we can, you know, come on, punch one out for the homies, you know? thing is, I just, I want us to be supportive and and empowering of all, like, size inclusivity. Obviously, like, a big reason that I started this podcast was because I do want to make sure that as women, we are lifting each other up because I know that it's like this in other fields too, but there can be an, a cattiness because you feel like you're competing for roles with other women, competing for jobs with other women. I just, I don't think that we have to act like that. I, we can all like collectively start talking about it and moving towards treating, just treating each other better. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Even, even if we're not in the same career field, just like you're not competing for, you're not competing against other women for men, for jobs, for who's gets pregnant first, who's babysitter, like none of that. It's not a thing. And it, it it is, Ooh, it is in the South because Mm -hmm. the timeline that you are supposed to graduate high school, graduate, you should graduate college with a fiance, get married, have children. You should really, I mean, there's a timeline for that and it is changing obviously, but it's still really, really prevalent where I live. The pressure is, oh yeah. This is, we've talked about this before is that this business and this field and what we have committed ourselves to feels very selfish. The time that we're in right now, we are working on our voices. We're working on our bodies for dancing. We're working on our acting skills. We're working like all these things for me, me, me. And we're always, you know, judging ourselves and, you know, trying to- new generation. Yes. And in this new, uh, it's not new, but especially right now in quarantine, there's this entire era of we're we're self-taping all the time. So we're in front of a camera and then editing ourselves. So it does, it can feel really selfish sometimes. Yeah. And it, it, but this is the time to be selfish is the thing that I've come to that I've had to like make peace with is that like, there is no other time where I can be this freed up, this unattached, this whatever, like to where I can really work on this self and have like fundamental change like if I had um a husband or a mortgage or a kid at this point I would have not have been able to move around the past two years and do these contracts and create 
you know, all these connections and, and do these things. Like I just, I wouldn't yeah. be able to do that. I also just like to add, cause I know that you kind of feel the same way too. Like even though this career can feel like that sometimes, I also want to make sure that I am like being a light, a light of positivity and like a light for my, like myself as a Christian. Like I want to make sure that like when I do step on stage and like I meet people like my castmates, like I want to make sure that like I'm still showing them love and grace because to me, we have this amazing opportunity to move around, meet all these people and have this, um, we have this amazing opportunity to affect so many lives. I, when I first graduated college, I was like, oh, I have things to do. And then, you know, God was like, actually, um, I need you to remember some things. <laughs> oh, so I definitely had to take a whole step, a whole step back and be like, Why a whole step. what is the point of doing this? The point is right. to tell stories and teach, teach people empathy, show them how to care for other people. And yeah. that is literally what God does. Like I've, I have these, like the relationships that I have formed through these contracts, like, I mean, just yeah. things that you wouldn't, like, it's unbelievable the fact that, first of all, theater in general will just create a whole different bond than mm-hmm. any other type of <laughs> relationship yeah. out there because you're vulnerable 100% of the time around these people. And that just, mm-hmm. you know, you just learn to love each other through the great, through the awful, through the real sucky mm-hmm. parts because. And those relationships are what, how I feel that I am making my difference, you know, in this business is because I get to like purely and solely love on these people. Yes. No matter what they're going through. Like I am always, I'm usually the mom besides our contract because you are mom. (laughs) You are so, you are always like, okay, in bed by nine ladies, have we all brushed our teeth? (laughs) Are we all all in bed? (laughs) Yeah. Breakfast at 9 a.m. in the like, morning. I'm cooking you ladies brunch in the morning. So just come downstairs when you get up. Yes. Yeah. But in all these other contracts, I have been mom. So like yeah. it's it's all these different people coming to me for like, I don't know, conflict resolution or just like asking me questions. Like, and that all that's how from- I deal with that's how I deal with the feeling of this feels selfish. Yes. This is not about me. It's not about me. Yeah. And I feel like I've been very fortunate to be around some amazing women that have taught me so much, even when I was still in college, like yeah, women that mentored me and took me under their wing and showed me so much love and compassion and empathy. And like, yes. I, and I, I was like, I want to do that for other people. Like I want to be that for other girls that are younger than me. I feel like our contract together, the three of us, we were all such equals. Yeah. We came in like being like, well, I don't feel like I know a ton about this, like either this life or this business or this anything. And we got to learn together for those. We were there for what? Four months. Four months. And we were like, yeah. So like, how do you film? How do you do your website? How do you do your, like, we we just got to learn. I mean, you taught me so much about, you know, the actual business side of this Mm -hmm. business that like, I mean, I'm forever indebted to you because I'll tell you because I was just telling Michaela this and I want everyone to know because I told her there are, 
I've met a, a lot of girls, obviously, in musical theater, and a lot of them are amazing, sweet women, but there aren't a lot of people who will do what you do, which, which is, is a lot of the time, me and you, like, real talk, we have a similar look, we have a similar yeah. style, and so that could have really easily, if we had come in that summer and and let our friendship be defined by that, we wouldn't have a friendship, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Mm-mm. And we are... I will, I will say, I mean, you are the first one to be like, Hey, did you see this? Did you put your stuff in for this? Did you see this casting call? Like that is something that a lot of girls don't do because they're scared. Like, Oh, well, I don't want it. I don't want anyone to know that they're casting for the show because I want this part. What? Right. If right. you're for it, you're going to get the part. Why would you not? Exactly. Play your and exactly. I just, I was telling, okay. I was telling Michaela, my little sister, I was like, that, that is something that not a lot of women do in this industry. And she does it. And it's, I, I just, I always, it warms my heart when you're like, did you, like when you see me like, Hey, did you put your stuff in for that? Did you see this? Yes! I mean, I just uh, love I love it. and I feel like that's the thing is that's it's women need to support women. I don't understand why this needs to be such a, like a dividing thing is auditioning and casting and cattle calls and all this like hatred towards everybody. And it's just, ugh. yeah. The, Life is too short and the world is basically ending already. So come on, can we just love each other? Exactly. Can we just love each other and support each other, especially women, because we have it really hard sometimes. I want to know a story of a woman that inspired you or just a woman that you've looked up to that you kind of say, like, I wanna I wanna make sure I'm doing that for other women. Yeah. Like some yeah. what kind of helps you keep going? Okay, so I have, like, two, and I kind of already mentioned one of her. Okay. My mother. <laughs> so the way, I and I said this earlier, the way that she brought me and my little sister up is just that we could talk about anything, like, ugly, horrible, whatever we were feeling, really great, like, any questions we had, it, like, literally nothing was off limits. So that just freed us up so much to have someone to talk to. It's because she did not feel that her mother gave her the same thing. And she made a decision when she found out she was going to be a mother. Am I going to be like that or be over the top and let her ask me anything and have an overabundance of knowledge? She chose that one. And I'm forever grateful for it because that is how I will bring up my girls and my boys Mm -hmm. and my children to know, you know, I'm not, I don't know everything, but I will tell you anything I know even if I don't know what the actual answer is, I will have a full-on conversation with you about it and we will figure it out together. So that has literally, has just brought up this sense of empathy in just who I am as a person that also helps along with loving those people in this mission field, as we called it. I love that. And because what you're saying as an actor, you, ha- you empathize with a character and you step into their shoes, mm-hmm. but that, that's what, that's what we as Christians are called to do. We're supposed to step into other people's shoes and see them for who they are and love them. I, love them. No I matter saw what. there is a, um, there's a brand and it's an answer to, do you remember in the nineties, everyone, everyone had the WWJD bracelets. The bracelets that you probably saw people wearing them. It stands for what would Jesus do? And it's an answer to that. And their brand is he would love first. And I, that is my, he would love 
any any question about religion or sexuality or race or anything like anything that everyone is scared to talk about because it's like such a boiling point it is my answer to every single question is i don't know i am just here to love them yep and that's why it the word love is in the new testament over 300 times because it was so important to him that we knew that and we understood that and i think that a lot uh i think that that some um conservative christians have really they get really wrapped up in the details when he makes it really simple we're just we're just here to love our neighbors it's it's they get they get wrapped up in the rules when did jesus ever say yeah that over love like it's just it's mind-blowing to me but yeah that's that is first and foremost about the pharisees and the sadducees and all the rules that they thought they had to follow i'm just kidding anyway okay like no we're here to look so second one that and this last one is you you and me love her very much right now miss reese witherspoon with her all-female production company with her all-female directors with her female like it is the female empowerment that that woman has given to so many women these opportunities that she's given people it just blows my mind and that is that is her like mission that is hello sunshine her production company yes literally she created it so that these women's stories these women authors these women um female screenwriters these female directors would have a place to show material that women oh my god yes I just like, got chills. It's just that's, so that's, what, that's she, what, I'm saying. It what is, she's doing is so important. It's so impactful. And like the fact that she has, she has worked nonstop the past five years at this production company. She has this, um, uh, hello sunshine. Her book club is mm-hmm. all female writers, but female stories as well, which gives us something to relate to in artists, like in, um, artist expression as well so it's something that we can relate to so it's just like for every part of female history and what we are she is pouring into and I'm just obsessed with her she is I saw her do an interview when she was talking about when she started that production company and she was like I got a script and I literally laughed out loud because it was the line well, what yeah. are we going to do now? And she said, right. I don't know one female that says that. Because uh-huh. Females don't do that. They spring into action. And he, and it was like, a, apparently like a really highly coveted part, like a bunch of actresses in Hollywood wanted like, that. And she was like, we deserve better than that because that's not, th- those aren't our stories. Those are men's perceptions of what our stories are. not that simple. Like my mom, interview is like that. My mom is like one of the strongest women I know has just overcome so much. There was never a point in her life. There was, there was never a point in her life when she said, well, I just don't know what we're going to do now. No, she didn't. She had four kids. Are you kidding me? Like she kept going. So that's why she was like, I want female writers, female producers, female directors, female actors who can like her and Carrie Washington and Little Fires everywhere. It's Are you even so amazing. I just put that on my Instagram story today. I know. I saw that. That's what made me think of Reese. So it's just um, because she's just a superhero and I'm obsessed That with is her. such a great one. I, if you don't know the production company that she's talking about, please look into it. It's such an amazing 
thing that she is doing. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am over the moon excited that you said yes. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you don't like theater, this is not the episode to listen to. Not the one for you. I know that you guys still will listen because you love us and yes. you support us. Yes. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you in the next episode. This has been the Like a Lady podcast. Bye.